Welcome to the show. I'm Mikey. And it's your girl Zay Day. We are two social justice warriors dedicated to dismantling systems of oppression through a black, black queer, queer feminist lens. Feminist lens. Yes, this podcast will cover a variety of topics ranging from politics in our country to which new bop you can twerk to. Hey. <laughs> yep. And while we're twerking, y'all can start following. Search Black to the Future on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join in the conversation. And don't forget to leave positive reviews for us on your streaming platforms. Yes, please leave positive reviews. With the reach of this podcast, we desire to change the world one episode at a time. Yep, and I think it's time we get started, don't you think? Yep, let's get it! The The past past is gone, gone. the present present is an adventure. adventure. Looks like it's time to to go go black to the future. future. Cue the theme music. (laughs) Yeah. to the future yes so thank y'all so so much for being with us for an entire year one whole entire year 365 days so this is the first episode officially of season two season two so I guess that was closing the chapter last week and now we're opening a new chapter this week. So I'm so excited that I'm still able to do this and y'all are still interested apparently. So I'm so happy that I'm able to do this. Um, there are um, a, a plethora of things going on behind the scenes that I'm working on that I'm hoping that will come to fruition within the next few weeks to months and such and so forth. You know, I think the embers or the burrs of this year actually turned out to be pretty good. September, October, and of course, November, the best month where my birthday takes place and the best holiday, Thanksgiving. Okay, boom. Okay, minus the, you know, the backdrop of genocide and all that kind of mess. But anyway, however, comma, and then of course, you know, Christmas, December. So boom. So the embers or the burrs in this case are really turned out to be real cute. And I really hope that y'all enjoy the things that I will end up putting out for not only the podcast... I have some amazing guests coming up, but I also am excited for just things I have going on in my personal life and just various projects I've been invited to do and work on. So I'm just really excited. I hope that, you know, they they got the fruition. But anyway, um, I don't, you know, um, I'm just excited. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
So um, this episode is probably going to be a short one just because um, I it's kind of spurred the moment. I finally decided to embark on some video watching of movies that have been exceptionally popular. Um, but it kind of got my brain stirring and kind of wrapping around. So I'm going to bring some things to your attention that most people probably already aware of. But I just I just want to kind of highlight a couple of things. But anyway, so obviously I don't have a guest because I would have been introduced them. Otherwise, I would have been a little rude bitch. But I don't have a guest today and I'm okay with that. Um, you know, we had Mab last week. Of course, he's going to be coming every every month or so. So next month, you can expect to hear his lovely voice on the show again. But in the meantime, of course, you have me the and the blaring, you know, air horn I have at the beginning. Well, it's hard to distinguish between the two, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, you'll you'll have me, and then I have some uh, some lovely guests. I'm so excited to have on the podcast. I recorded some of their episodes a while ago, so I hopefully it don't sound weird or out of place, but it's okay. Um, anyhow, so um, in so many words, I guess I should say my blackness is doing pretty good. I'm very optimistic for the future, although I'm a painful realist. I'm always optimistic. I have like a glisten of hope. Um, at all times, it seems like even when things don't feel as good as they could be, I have a, gl- a glimmer, a glisten of hope. And I think that's something that's very important, especially to in regard to today's kind of topic I want to talk about, this like idea of hope um, and how it plays its role in like the microcosms of things that we ingest as far as media and stuff like that. So... I um, have finally <laughs> watched all the Harry Potter movies. Um, when I was younger, <laughs> I wasn't allowed to. I read the first book. And then when I started walking around doing, you know, spells and Alohomora and Tripicus Totalis, you know, Sister Shirley, you know, y'all heard her on the Mother's Day episode. She was like, no, magic, Mm-mm. witchcraft, wizardry. It was not giving. So, you know, like a lot of kids in the 90s, I started off reading it. I was really into it because I love magics. Like, it's giving what it, what you think it should give. What y'all think my house is? That's a good question. I wonder what y'all think my house is. Like, a lot of people be like, oh, my God, I don't know. But, like, you would be surprised what my house is. Anyway, um, yeah, and I was just... um wasn't allowed to, you know, read the books and anything. So I really, really didn't get immersed into it until like the movies came out in like 2001. And then even then it was like, I don't want you watching it because now it's like, you know, real or whatever. Anyway, so I I was, you know, I was watching these movies and I finally ca- caught up a decade later after the movies that's how uninvested I was. Plus, I'm not like a huge mainstream run. Okay, I take that back. I, I fully watched Twilight. And I read all four books and I watched all four movies and I was fully in love with Twilight. Poor writing, but still just like a hot werewolf. Ugh. Yes, Team Jacob. Was any of them right? No. Was any? Ugh. Anyway, Team Jacob. <laughs> I probably lost most of the listeners after that. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I was just look, watching these movies and I was like, this is really interesting how we, I, um, my my whole premise in this, besides the hope thing, is that we are creatures of habit, vanity, and other stuff. So we literally have 
we, we recognize what's happening in the world around us as individuals and as people and stuff like, like, oh, this person has this hair. This person has this body type. This person has this skin complexion. This person has this orientation. We ha- we recognize all these varying differences amongst ourselves in real life. And then we go and we create spaces in media where we literally play those same kind of things out. You know, we literally like rewatch ourselves doing the same things to each other in like a different fashion, whether it be live action or be animation. And it's like, we rewatch ourselves cause we're just so obsessed with our own human experience. We're like really vain creatures. It's crazy. I know I'm vain. Like, you know, let's just surely tell it all. Uh, my mother, she'll be like, we the finest things walking. She, well, she'll say that about herself. I think I'm, I'm I think I'm up there, but I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> We are just really interesting. We like to we like to watch ourselves recreate, you know, life things. And then if we can add a twist in there, something that's not really existing, like magic or the supernatural, X, you know, X, Y, and Z, block, block, blue, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, the magical world of Harry Potter. Like, you know, to our knowledge, you know, magic and dragons and witchcraft and wizardry doesn't exist. And stuff like that. So my thought process in this is like we like to watch our human experience and then add these special these special caveats to it, like the idea of witchcraft and wizardry. And even in those worlds, you know, there's still a hierarchy of things at play. Like it's really baffling. Like I know we like to watch stories about our lives where there's conflict and there's resolution because that creates a great story. But it's interesting to me how people in real life can fully, you know, um, watch these films, watch these medias, ingest these things and be like, oh, (laughs) that's so funny. It's not really happening in real life. But it's funny because it really much is just at a different capacity in a different time in a different space. You know, we can create and come up with a bunch of different things, but simultaneously, we only know so much of what we know. So we're going to kind of recreate things and kind of paint it with a different color every single time. So it's like when I was watching Harry Potter, it was like, oh, there's this one boy who gives everybody hope. And it's like the idea of hope will always be like this like this, like this idea that's always moving forward. Hope, 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 H-O-P-E. We're always thinking about hope. And as it pertains to, you know, um, black, you know, uh, queer people, uh, femme folk and X, Y, and Z that this podcast is based in, it's this hierarchy or this idea. Cause you know, I didn't read all the books. So y'all, you know, there's a lot more nuance outside of the books that, um, that I don't, uh, outside the movies, excuse me, that I may not be able to understand. So, you know, y'all could drag me if you want to. It's okay. It's fine because I don't have the full uh, grasp of it. And I probably shouldn't talk about it, but I just find it very interesting. And so my only real thing about, particularly about Harry Potter, is that there was this guy who felt, you know, so emboldened and so entitled that, you know, and, you know, he was damaged, obviously, but he felt so emboldened and so entitled, you know, he who should not be named Voldemort, did not Tom Riddle. He was so emboldened by, you know, his own desire to be the one, to be that girl. And it's like, well, you know, 
we have to have some kind of balance in this world and da 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 and, and these kind of things. And he's like, no, I'm the one. I'm, and then I'm going to get people to, it's very, it was very cultish. And I think that he really worked his magic, <laughs> so to speak, to appeal to folks, the people who are pure blood, you know, who felt like they were a dying breed and they felt like they had this level of superiority or this level of supremacy as they were the, you know, the magical people. You know what I mean? And it's very relevant to the idea of like, you know, white folks and stuff like that. And they may not have this recognition or men in this case, in some situations, you know, as well, like white people or men, you know, if you're white men, you kind of double down on the, oh, you know, I'm purist, you know, but they wouldn't, you know, in real life, people wouldn't say like, oh, I'm pure, I'm pure, I'm pure. But all the connotations are derived from real life and just apply with this layer of magic, so to speak. So it's like the same idea. And I find it very interesting that people will literally watch this movie, watch these films, read these books, you know, listen to thousands of hundreds of podcasts, you know, um, and they'll just be like, you know what, that's just a totally different world. That's a totally different thing. But we definitely base a lot of what we experience as humans in other realities. And then we give them these special, you know, these veils or these, you know, like I said, these magical caveats as it were. And I find it very interesting that we just be like, <laughs> or some people just be like, I can watch this. And there is literally no connection to the real world. And it's kind of like, a real life person in the real world wrote this. They real life people created this. Real life people are acting these roles because we understand where it's coming from. We understand why this is all transpiring. We understand why these things are happening. You know, we we know. And for some reason, when it comes to real life, all of a sudden, like the puzzle pieces don't go together. And, you know, I'm sure people already made this connection already, so I'm not saying anything new, but the idea of, like, the previous president and Voldemort and, like, <laughs> trying to get the purebloods and, you know, our previous president trying to get all the white folks trying to... <laughs> it was just like, oh, look, there it is, <laughs> you know? And because I never watched the movies, I never really put them, put it that much closer together. And then also I really wasn't following every storyline, you know, in every movie I would, you know, get a piece of or whatever. So I just thought that was very interesting interesting. Um, I am going to talk about a couple of more interesting, you know, kind of topics as we move forward um, in regards to like these microcosms, like this vanity of micro, this, I don't know how to say it, but y'all get it. I think, I hope, <laughs> but you know, we're going to take um, a small break and then, you know, we're going to come back. I'm going to talk about a couple of more films, medias and da 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 about these, um, microcosms and how they reflect real life and such. All right. Yay. Okay. So not only is Harry Potter obviously like a microcosm of this or like, I guess the reflection of our own lives back at us, but we also have one of the biggest, if not the biggest, no, I think it's one of the biggest. I think someone has it beat or a few have it beat. The One of the biggest um, media franchises in the entire world is, of course, Disney. And Disney, you know, I think this is really interesting. Now that I'm saying this all kind of out loud is 
in the 80s and 90s, y'all remember like a lot of the, you know, the shows and the movies that came out was very much about um, awareness, diversity, and inclusion, especially as it pertains to how people look, how they behave, you know, stuff like that with so many special undertones. Like I really thought that was like a really prevalent thing. You know, and I think that's why a lot of millennials probably are taken aback by a lot of some of the racist things and, you know, maybe things a little bit more like transphobia, maybe a little bit more nuanced that haven't been discussed and divulged. But, you know, racism is very much on top of that from, um, you know, like a millennial late, late 80s, 90s, you know, standpoint. Like we got a lot of representation in our media that says like, don't treat people this way. You know, you don't want to be treated this way, blah, 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 blah. But this is, you know, and by the 80s and 90s of the 1900s, which, you know, the <laughs> every kid born after 2000 is basically like, yeah, in the late 1900s. And my heart just goes, oh, I'm like, what? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just it's such a gag. Oh, Lord of mercy. Like, I'm in history books now. Like, it's official. Like, oh, God, I'm old. <laughs> anyway, so um, it, it's very interesting to me that, like, you know, all these things were already kind of set in stone, like racism and massage noir, misogyny, et cetera, et cetera, homophobia, transphobia, such, et cetera. All those things were already kind of embedded into the culture by the time the 80s and 90s, you know, let's fix everything with, with our children in media kind of craze kind of took place. Like you remember at the end of like certain movies or sorry, the end of certain TV shows, there would be like this little PSA. Like I remember at the end of Sailor Moon, it would be like, you know, Sailor Moon did this during the, during the show today and she should do things a little bit differently. You know, she should try these things and these things to be more helpful to the environment or to our friends or our family or be more courteous. You know, we shouldn't judge people by how they look, you know, all that kind of PSA stuff. They used to do that all the time. And I really think they were trying to implore upon children, um, at least our generation, that none of that stuff, you know, matters. We should care about each other, the earth, and da 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 And, you know, even stuff like SpongeBob. <laughs> SpongeBob was like, I'm going to dismantle this establishment board by board. You know, stuff like that. It's so interesting to me how... The people who are our parents, our aunties of millennials, you know, they created all that kind of stuff. And the people who are older than them are kind of like, what do you mean everything's racist? I don't understand. Like y'all, like y'all showed us in, in various movies and media and stuff like that. It's very interesting. But either way, I, I digress from that. And I go back to what I was talking about as far as like Disney and it's like Disney has countless movies and films that illustrate various kind of like isms and phobias and stuff like that. I, you know, just, you know, they might have distorted the stories and the, you know, the overall idea. But I was watching um, one of the best written scores in my entire life that I've ever heard that gets me going every time is the music, the score to The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Baby, the story is eloquent. It's it's perfectly like, ugh, the story is literally perfection. But the music, 
The music, I think I've already hollered about this plenty of times before. The Hunchback of Notre Dame gets so much, not enough praise. It does not get enough praise. The music, Alan Menken was in his bag when he wrote that. You know, no shade to any other music from any other DSC movie, but he was in his bag when he wrote that. And that's just because I'm partial to, like, great operatic scoring. That's because I'm just really partial to that. You know, I went to school for music, so. <laughs> he wrote that. Anyway, um, but the story of The Hunchback of Notre Dame is so, like, I think it's really interesting how the main character um, is like, I'm going to vanquish the world of all evil, 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 evil. I want to vanquish the, you know, what's his name? Frollo. He's like, I want to vanquish the world of all evil, or at least in my city and da, 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 da. And so he uses the guise of religion to basically cause so much harm to the entire to the entire cast of people and things like that. What were they called? Um, the Court of Miracles. The people who were there on, um, I almost called it Opposite Day fucking Spongebob. <laughs> the uh, Feast of Fools. I almost called it op Opposite Day. What's that? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. But he's like so disgusted. It was, it's giving me very pride. People do crazy things. They enjoying their life. There's no harm done. It's heavily policed. They torturing people. Like it's really crazy how like it was literally just like, here's a pride parade and here's religious folks saying like, this is horrible and this is bad because they believe and God told them that it was. And so they're going to take it upon themselves to punish or put down other people for enjoying their life and doing things differently. It's very like um, outside of the order. Like when um, I was just watching Harry Potter, of course. So Umbridge was just like, I will have order. It's very like, who put you in charge? It's like, it's like God did not put y'all in charge, Miss Thing. Like just because... You have like this, 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 uh, this alleged magical closeness with the Lord. Don't mean that like, they're like, she left you in charge. Like, what the fuck? Like, it don't make no sense. And it's just like, I'm going to make sure everybody gets in line with what I believe and what I think. It's just like, do we not have our own individuality, our own brains, our own? And that's the thing that a lot of people are not understanding, I find. And we see it in real life. It's like this reflection of like, you're not thinking how I think. Ergo, your thought process must be wrong. And like I always say on this show and many other platforms that I decide to, um, that I'm invited on or that I go and speak on, it's like my in my goal in doing a lot of this work is not to change people's minds. Like I'm not, I feel like you should come to that conclusion on your own. You should take what you've heard and what you've acknowledged and what you've experienced and kind of put it all together so you can put the, so you can put it all together and create the full picture or at least a bigger picture. You know, and I think a lot of the time people be so wrapped up in what they believe to be is the only right way that they can't see anything, you know, what do they pass the end of your nose? Like everything right in my immediate space is the only correct thing. And it's like, no, there's so much, this world is so vast. And thanks to technology and science and stuff like that, we know how vast it is, or we like to think we know how vast it is. So it's like, girl, <laughs> we not the end all be all. So I'm, I'm just like, I, yeah. Anyway, so... 
Frollo on the movie, he's like, you know, everybody who doesn't abide by these rules is, you know, this is a, I think it's a trigger word, so, you know, gypsy, um, you know, you know, that, you know, they're like horrible and they're evil and they're demonic and witchcraft and all that kind of stuff. And it's very kind of like, wait a minute, isn't spirituality like connected to magic in some kind of way? Ergo, like Jesus, God, and them, all the people upstairs, don't they have like some magical special entities and powers? And, you know, it's very interesting how, again, people are able to compartmentalize and, and be like, this one's okay, but this one's not. It's very interesting. But Frollo was doing all of this and torturing people under the guise of religion. And then eventually, this all kind of backfired on him. And it's very uh, reflective and reminiscent of what took place on January 6th of this year when people, um, when it was the um, insurrection and people was going up to the Capitol. And it's like, I have this, um, I have the Trump flag and I have the, um, I have the Confederate flag and I'm going up against the Capitol to fight against something because someone else told me to. And in the movie, Frollo goes up to the cathedral where he's been fighting for the for the righteous of good and God and all that stuff. And he turns around and he literally is attacking the cathedral because I'm just like, what? <laughs> I thought you wasn't supposed to be fighting the... You thought you you're supposed to be fighting for God, but you're not fighting for God. You fight against them now. Like what? What? It don't make no sense. And it's like the same thing happened on January sixth of this year. It's like I'm going to, I'm gonna fight for my country against my country. And it's like what? <laughs> like the like the math is not math thing. The puzzle pieces not been together, Miss Girl. Like. It's, it's so crazy, like, how it's, like, a snake biting its own tail. Like, that's very much what it is. And I find it just so interesting that people will just use anything, literally, to weaponize and, be, and place themselves in a hierarchy or a social order that places them in a better position than other folks. And to me, it's kind of like... I can I can I can recognize the fact that there are going to be situations where certain people are have more desire to work in in a, in a position of power, or that there's or or people have um, certain neural differences that makes them more equipped to handle certain things. Like I'm like I know people that wouldn't be able to handle my experience on the day to day basis. I know that there I would be able to handle certain people. Like I I would never want to be president of the United States, not even in any capacity, not even a little bit. So everybody that's done it, well. <laughs> mostly every well <laughs> the people who have done it have that level of um you know that connection or whatever that desire so you know I just think that's very important to think about how we just literally create a social hierarchy inherently and we say these people are just better or greater than or have more value than other people and it's like no that's not how it goes people just have different things to offer and because of things like capitalism in the real life we don't, you know, if it doesn't bring any monetary value, then it has no purpose, or at least it feels that way um, at this current state in time. Like, if it doesn't 
generate any kind of wealth, coins, and da, 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 nobody cares about it. And it's really interesting to me. And people will literally watch this movie, like The Hunchback of Notre Dame, being like, oh, that's so nice, and not take away the story. Like, there's a PSA in here. It's like, you know, particularly as I thought about it, like, as pertains to, like, the Pride events and stuff like that. It's like, people are queer, girl. Let them be queer. Let them be. Is it is it impacting you in a negative way? If anything, I like to like I don't know how uh, how connected this is, but you know the idea that they didn't they like I don't want a marriage equality. I don't want gay people to get married. I'm like when people when um, queer people get married, doesn't that generate more wealth? And I guess they don't want us to have more wealth, but at the same time, it generates more wealth for the country and such and so forth. And don't you want America to be the greatest apparently see y'all just see 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 and this is just me hypothetically speculating so y'all are really interesting and i and i think it's again it's funny that we will literally create these stories to imitate life to imitate art to imitate life again and then people will watch this stuff and be like oh god well that's not happening in real life um yes mama it is it's just not happening at the capacity that it's happening on the film like, it's really, really crazy, you know, but in some ways it's beginning to happen at the capacity of the films. I just, I think it's interesting that we literally, or some people I should say, will watch these films, digest it, and take out the pieces that they find the most important instead of the overall encapsulating story of these people are being punished under the guise of religion and stuff like that. And, you know, I think it's really interesting. Um, I'm going to go a little bit further into Disney a little bit and talk about, <laughs> obviously, Pocahontas. Like, they literally laid it on thick on Pocahontas. They was like, <laughs> these white men are dangerous. No one is to go near them. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. But, um... You know, it was, it's one of those things for me, as far as Pocahontas is concerned, is that we literally watched these people um, come from a different country and they had this level of entitlement. And then Pocahontas literally sang one of the best songs ever in Disney history, The Colors of the Wind. And the first opening lines of the song literally tells you everything you fucking need to know. Plus, uh, Colors of the Wind is in the best key, which is D flat major. Just, just saying. <laughs> Great key. But she's like, you think I'm an ignorant savage and you've been so many places. I guess it must be so. But still, I cannot see if the savage one is me. How can there be so much that you don't know? You don't know. You ain't asked nobody no questions. You just came over here. You thought you was just supposed to be given? Like, what y'all given? Like, I would just take this shit because... Because I can type tease. And it's like... We we fully, you know, granted the story of Pocahontas is much more different than the Disney adaptation. Yes, I will give complete, uh, acknowledge that. But the idea is still there. It's like they just came over and they thought that was just going to be they shit. Like they was, it, it was like this level of entitlement. But if somebody came over today, land and said, we're going to take your shit, they'll be like, no, it's it's ours. You can't take it. And it's like, girl, right. <laughs> It's, it's, again, the life imitating art, imitating life, snake biting the tail thing. Like, 
again, and folks will literally watch this and kind of just go like, oh God, I'm glad racism is over. But again, at this point in the 90s and the 80s and, you know, and stuff like that, when these films were coming out and these shows and these movies and blah, blah, blah were being produced and da, 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 the idea of all of this was just already so deeply embedded that we're bringing this shit up way too motherfucking late. Like, way too motherfucking late. It's like... The, like like misogyny had has been around since like the gate and then racism starts showing up later on and it's like ugh, I, I think it's just so interesting like these films and these movies are literally illustrating these things not perfect to a T but the message is still very clear at least in my eyes that it's very clear that they wanted us to understand and people will watch it and just go hmm it has no value to me. I don't understand it. I don't care. I, you know, and I, and I think the thing about it is, I think is that because of how, um, society has grown and developed and capitalism has worked is that everything in our world is very transactional. No one, or no one believes, especially there's a lot of discourse on Twitter about it. The idea that people are going to give willingly the idea of charity and giving yourself without asking for anything in return because we've really created an entire life and system and upheld it through transactions. I give you something, you give me something. Eventually it gets to a point where it's like, I don't have that much to give. And it's like, well, you can't give me enough what I want. So I'm going to, you know, not cooperate or work with you. Or I'm going to do whatever I need to do to, to get my balance due, you know, whatever the fuck. Everything is so transactional. And that's like when people are like charity work, you know, they don't want to do or they don't want to donate their time or their energy or their effort. And it's kind of like, oh, my God. If this is the place we're kind of at and everything is so transactional, no wonder people feel like gay people have, um, they could get married now. What does that say about me and my marriage? Uh, what did it say initially when you got married? Does it, did it change overnight? I, um, the, the idea of, you know, the idea of marriage and stuff like that is supposed to be, you know sacred and all that kind of stuff between two folks who love each other and you know under the guise again of course of religion they'll disagree with that but it's very interesting to me how it's kind of like if someone gets something someone has to lose something and I'm just like everything's so ingrained and embedded at that capacity for capitalism that people can't fathom it it's like for example it's like when I enter a space as a trans woman and people are and there are cis women there there are certain conversations that I cannot really join and be a part of. Like the other day, I was getting electrolysis done. Shout out to Kelly Inc. Y'all are sickening down. Um, they were zapping mama's face, getting this getting this facial hair out, growing it out is a bitch. It's, I hate it. It's late. It's the worst thing in the entire world. But anyway, um, they, uh, they were, there were two cis women. Um, they were sickening down. I love them. They get mama together every time. But they were talking about like um, menstrual uh, cycles and, and cramps and things like that. I, as a trans woman, I have no 
fathoming connection to this. I can only listen. And that doesn't take away my experience as a woman. I'm still exactly who I am when I came into that place and I inter- and I inter- and I um and um conversed and um talked to those girls. And now after the time, I'm still exactly the same woman I was before, a little bit less uh follicle hair, but thank God, uh facial follicle hair. But um but now it's it's very interesting. I didn't I didn't feel like nothing I had to offer was attacked. All I need to do is just sit there and listen to their experience and go, oh wow, that sounds really unfortunate. That's terrible. You know all the pain you have to go through. And they're talking about birth control, of course, and da da da. And how and but the things we could connect and relate on is how men interact with us. Whether we be cis or trans, men interact with us in a very specific way. And a lot of women. When we were, and it was three of us, we were sitting there and we were having conversation and dialogue around this, around how they interact with us and how they think and how they operate. And our experiences are exactly the same in, in a lot of different ways. I can't relate on some things, but that's not my place to speak on. I can only support and, and feel um, empathy for them and try to do what I can to help if I'm able to. That's what we need to be kind of doing. But for some reason, you know, I, I feel as though as when other people are entering your space, it takes something away. That's what did they take away? You know, the idea of I, I think what it is, is like the idea and the and and the energy around what it means to be a woman. You know, it's been so embedded that women ha- are just these sit at home baby making machines and da 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 da. And that's what their and their entirety is supposed to be. And it's kind of like a lot of women have internalized that and are holding on to it when they're just like, there's so much more you can be in this world. You don't have to limit yourself. There's, you know, and I'm, that's what I'm on the path of. Obviously I can't get pregnant. Try as I might. (laughs) But it's interesting to me that our connections are much greater than our differences. And that's an important thing I just said. And I'm going to bring that up in the next section. So either way, um, my whole point in that is the the idea of capitalism and, and, and balance and all that kind of stuff doesn't come from, you know, I give you something that's the same monetary value or what I perceive as the same monetary value as what I have. It's, it's like, how about we just be... As nice as we possibly can, but then that's there's so much um, there's so many stipulations and small caveats and you know things in there that cannot go the way we want them to go. So I understand, but I wish it was just different. Anyway, so um, I'm gonna go on to this last section again. This is gonna be kind of a shorter video. This is just me just spitballing and just talking to you guys. Um, uh, non-binary folk, trans people, whomever, forgive the the guys. It's just force a habit. You know, language is a powerful thing. Anyway, I will see you all in just, let's see. <laughs> you will be hearing me in a couple of seconds on the next segment. Okay. <laughs> All right, I am back for this final segment. Um, and towards the end there, before I was floundering over my words, I was talking about this idea of the things that make us the same. And, you know, 
make us different, but there's a lot more that we have in common. And so if you're a child of the 90s, you've cried at this movie, you know, hella times because duh. On Pokemon, the first movie um, of the most powerful, dynamic, wealthy media franchise in the entire world. Um, at the end of the first movie or towards the end of the first move me, move me, movie, Meowth was, you know, the clones and all that kind of stuff. If you haven't seen Pokemon in the first movie and you're a millennial girl, <laughs> what are you doing? What, what, what are you doing? That's a great callback. If y'all know where that's from, I'm gonna just love y'all forever. Anyway, um, Meowth is talking to his clone and his clone is like, meow, 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 meow. And Meowth is like, right, we do have a lot in common. The same oif, the same air, the same sky. Maybe if we start looking at what's the same instead of always looking at what's different. Well, who knows? It's like right there in a children's film. Like it's right there. They they are literally trying to paint this picture. And whether or not that's translated verbatim from the Japanese text when this movie was first initially created. But when it came to the English dub, that was it. That was, that's, that's one of the hallmark lines of that film. And it still carries to this day and it will always carry. If we pay attention, and again, this is life imitating art, imitating life, imitating art. <laughs> if we literally just paid attention to what that says, if we focus on what's the same, like I was talking about how in the in electrolysis session, I was, I related to those girls on many things, but there are some things I cannot relate to them on. And I have to be okay with that. It doesn't make them superior or better or anything greater than or less than. They're just different. Different doesn't mean better than, less than, or greater to or equal to. It just means not the same as. And even people who are biological twins, you know, and all that kind of stuff. They're not exactly the same person. I always tell, I teach music, as you may have guessed, as talking about D flat major and scores earlier. <laughs> but I always tell kids that um, when we're learning about inharmonics, inharmonics in music are two notes that have the same sound, the same vibration, same frequency and everything. And they share the same space at the same time, but they do two totally different things as they're spelled differently. For example, there are notes like G sharp, and then there's a note like A flat. Same space, same time, and everything, but they do two totally different things. G sharp is going to be moving in an upward direction. A flat is going to be moving in a downward direction. They overlap and share the same space. So even though they're exactly the same perceivably, audibly, um, most of the time, they're going to be different and that's okay. And I think that's really important for people to recognize is that when things are different, it doesn't inherently make it better or worse. It's just the fact that it is. And I think a lot of people are always under the guise of, you know, I don't care if you're different, just don't be different in X, Y, and Z kind of way. And it's like, why is being different in XYZ kind of way bad? And it's because of whatever reason. And it's like, it, it puts it puts this idea that certain things are, you know, there's certain, there's certain things obviously that we wouldn't, you know, we don't want to go to the extremes because that's over dramatic. Um, but, you know, there's, there's certain stuff like how someone's skin color looks, which they have zero control over who someone decides to be intimate with, 
which some, which people have zero control over, and more importantly, that has nothing to do with you unless they're deciding to engage with you in that kind of way. And at which point you would say, oh no, I'm not interested in that kind of you know, sexual activity or in that romantic kind of space. And then you move on with your life because it has nothing to do with you. That's true indifference to me. People say like, I don't care and I'm indifferent, but indifference means you don't care either way. And if someone presented it to you, you wouldn't have any kind of reaction. Hmm. Or if someone says, this is my gender identity, this is how I show up, this is the body parts that I do have, not that it's any people's business, but it's like, okay, great. Now what? You know, that's it, that's my reaction to when people tell me certain things. I'm just like, okay, now what? Like a lot of people, when they were growing up and coming out as queer and things like that, a lot of parents would be like, okay, I knew. And then it would just be, that would be it. And, you know, that's a certain level of indifference that, you know, it's like, okay, well, I love you and support you. All right, have a nice life. <laughs> that's just, <laughs> after that, it should make no difference. It's, it's baffling to me, literally baffling that people take so much umbrage <laughs> with things not being in the order that they want. Y'all see I'm doing callbacks within the episode. I'm biting my own tail as the snake. See, stay with me. Stay with me. I'm going to bless you. Stay with me. I'm going to turn your Bibles too. <laughs> crazy i'm fully recording this at like 8 30 in the morning because it was just on my heart and on my soul so i just needed to talk about these things anyway um so yeah i i find that if we focus on the things that make us the same and like and you know what people always say at the bottom of at, at the bottom of the day at the end of the day we're all humans at you know just at different capacities if, if everybody was exactly the same I'm just, I, I, I don't even, I can't even fathom what that would be like. Everyone being exactly the same. Exactly, exactly, exactly as you do. <laughs> oh, I am literally losing my mind, but it's okay. I'm fine with that. And I'm okay with that because I'm just putting puzzle pieces together and putting all these cosms into perspective and stuff like that and I think something that I always want you to take away especially as we move into the second season of um, Black to the Future podcast is that again we're not trying to convince you that gay is the way or or trans people are superior we're just trying to say we're different and that difference is okay and we're trying to essentially what we're trying to do is call out the fact that the way that things are set up right now, it doesn't show true, powerful, equal differences. It just shows that these groups of people have greater value and have more access and more privilege. And the science and the data always tells us that. And it may feel like for people who have always been living in this level of privilege, in this level of delusion, that they're inherently greater than those folks. And they probably wouldn't say that, but the way that things have been established and set up, it's not reflecting. It's not reflecting what you feel or what you think. You have to actively be thinking about how you feel when certain ideas and concepts and people are brought to you. That's why I don't argue with people. I usually just kind of ask people like, oh, why do you feel that way? 
And then, you know, much like when we were children, our parents would, you would ask your parents, why? Why? Why is this? Why is this? And eventually your parents have to have a clear, concise um, reasoning for exactly what you're asking why to. And the reason and the reason they get frustrated and trying to tell you to go away is not only because it's annoying, but because as you get down to the whys and get down to the nitty gritty, they have to start um, questioning why they believe what they believe and how they believe what they believe and the and the justice and the and and the true justification for it. And I think this is where a lot of religion and spirituality comes in because there are questions we cannot answer. And when you cannot answer certain questions, you need a reason as to why you can't answer those questions. And guess who's there to answer those questions for you? Yes, the big girl upstairs. <laughs> uh, she's going to answer the questions for you. You know, there's your why. You know, at the end of the day, you can always say, well, because God... Well, because of my religion, well, because of my spirituality, and that's okay if that brings you solace and peace, as long as you're not using it as a weapon against other folks. So again, I think um, something that's just really important, of course, and I'm just going to double down on it, is looking at what's the same instead of looking at what's different. For example, Black people. We all the same. I'm black, you're black. Your blackness is not greater than mine, you know, and I, mine is not greater than yours. Trans people, my trans status is not greater than anyone else's trans status. And, you know, my womanhood is not greater than you know, anyone else's womanhood. And my human experience is not greater than or less than. It's equal. Everyone's on the exact same foot. We all bleed the same color. Be all the same underneath all of this, you know, the only thing that makes us different is literally the exterior and the, you know, the souls inside that make us unique and special. I do believe in that kind of stuff. That's just me. But either way, I don't want to preach and harp and I don't want to be on here too much longer, but I really want people to pay attention to how like the media literally, especially in the 80s and 90s, God, they really laid it on thick. They was like, do the right thing. <laughs> and then we grow up and we're doing the right thing by marching and protesting for Black Lives Matter. And people go, what? <laughs> you know. Um, but I really just want people to think about that. Think about how media um, literally reflects life and imitates art and snake biting tail, block a block of blue and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, if you haven't given it that much thought, you know, I, that's probably why I like the things that I, I watch, the things that I like to watch, because it's relatable and it feels like, wow, this all very much makes sense. It goes in with the storyline and da -da 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 and all that kind of stuff. I think it's very important that we're always thinking about that um, and how when we watch films and we, and we ingest media, there's undertones and there's subtext that's not always being explicitly said and stated and stuff like that. And I think it's very important that um, we're always being going a little a, a step or two further. We don't take it at the face value. We go a little bit further and start thinking about where they get this idea from. And the idea is that we're human beings having this experience all simultaneously in this point in time. So it's like you can only derive from what you know or what you think you know. And then when it's created, it's going to imitate life. And it's just going to be, you know, veiled with this magic or these creatures or this other thing. 
you know, that's going to make it seem like it's a world different from ours. But it's really not, you know, calling people mudbloods, you know, or calling people muggles and stuff like that from the Harry Potter world and stuff like that. Or calling, like on Pocahontas, calling people savages and stuff like that. It's very like, huh, interesting. Or on um, Hunchback of Notre Dame, calling people gypsies and, you know, demons and stuff like that. It's interesting. And I think it's just very clear how we use language to put people down and we don't uplift and affirm people who need it. You know, and I think that's what we should be trying to do. No one's greater than or less than. We're all just unique and special in our own way and and deserve, you know, happiness and fairness and, you know. And the last one I want to talk about, of course, is Avatar The Last Airbender, which everyone is badly in love with, but it's literally like... It's, it's, it's Pocahontas. It's also the other avatar, the, um, the blue people thing. Yeah. It's, it's very, the same kind of story where it's a group of people who are going to use their power and their privilege to overtake folks. It's, it's all right there. It's like the fire Nation's going to use their powers and da, 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 because they have more access as they can create fire. So, you know, that's more dangerous and more, you know, powerful in a lot of ways and they're going to use that to overtake people and they're going to use the idea that they can create machines and welding because they can bend fire and you know it's all very much there and then I remember specifically I've been re-watching it with a friend and one of the parts is I think it's um, Fire Lord Sozin was like let's share what we have with the world and it's not sharing mama <laughs> it's not sharing <laughs> And I think it's funny, again, that people will literally watch this kind of stuff and go, you know, oh, well, that's a nice story. And, you know, they're going too far and taking land from people and being mean to people. And then it's kind of like we're adults now and this kind of stuff is still happening. People will go like, oh, my God, no, it's not the same. It's like life imitating art, like the things that are happening with indigenous folk in the like in the northeast up there and, and stuff like that. Like it's still literally happening. And I'm like, it's baffling to me. Again, these connections and these things. And I think the most important thing, of course, is the hope. There's always someone who has this the protagonist usually who has this undying level of hope that we as people constantly relate to and we always root for because we want hope. We want things to be fair and balanced and correct. And in Avatar, it's obviously Aang. Um, he brings a certain level of hope to the entire group of folks, you know, that are waiting for him to fix everything. And not that it should be reliant, um, being balanced on a 12 year old boy <laughs> or 112, I guess. Um, but it's still like the idea and the concept of hope and Qatar does plenty of plenty. And Qatar is my bitch. Qatar is my bitch. Oh my goodness. Oh, Qatar. Oh, anyway. Um, yeah, it's like these ideas of hope and it's, it's magical and it's beautiful. And then if you go back to Pokemon, um, Ash, 
Um, he's the symbol of hope. He's the one that's like, this is not right. Let's, and we're all on that same side. We're all with that character. And for some reason, when we get into real life, we're not all that same character. We all feel like we're that same character. We understand him, but then we don't act on it the same way that the character would. It's very interesting. And then what was the one before that? Pocahontas, obviously the title character. She brings hope. She brings connection. She's the one to do it. Um, what was I talking about before that one? Uh, before that one, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Quasimodo, bringing it in. Also, Esmeralda and Pocahontas, two, um, two women of color, wearing it out. We love to see it. <laughs> two bad bitches, like, oh my goodness. Um, and then the one before that, Harry Potter. The whole point of me even coming up with this topic and talking about it, he represents this hope that will never kind of get vanquished, so to speak. Like no matter how hard you try, there will always be this level of hope. And you know, um, spoiler alert, but Harry Potter dies and comes back and Ash dies and comes back in the Pokemon movie and Aang perceivably dies, but comes back. There's always like this, I'm coming back story. And this, it's very, again, very reminiscent of life imitating art as that's the main thesis of a lot of spiritualities and religions is this idea that someday this hope will come back and will restore balance and fix everything. But remember, the people who are on the side of trying to share or or create balance in the world aren't the ones who are actually doing it. It's the people who are the protagonists who are really showing hope who are meek and humble and trying to do the right thing. And anyway, I'm getting all preachy and getting emotional. I want y'all to have hope. I want y'all to believe in each other and see the good in each other and see the things that make us the same and stop focusing on things that make us different. Um, I hope you carry this with you through the rest of forever. But, you know, I want us to think about that again as we continue to move forward on season two of Black to the Future. Um, please follow, rate on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, share with folks. Um, interact on Instagram, Facebook, you know, now that they work again. <laughs> uh, Twitter. Um However you like. There are some amazing things coming up that I'm excited to share with everyone. Um, shout out to Mab. I love you so much. And I cannot wait to, for you all to hear these interviews I've got coming up. It's going to be beautiful. So with all that being said, thank you all so much. I love you dearly. And I will see y'all Black to the Future. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Black to the Future. Yes, thank you for joining us. And if you want to continue the conversation with us, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black to the Future Podcast. And don't forget to use the hashtag Black to the Future Podcast as well. Share the content and please leave positive reviews. Yeah, hola. <laughs> and we will see y'all in the future. Don't you mean Black to the Future? Oh, I guess you're right. We'll see y'all black to the future. future.